tingling greetings to every single one of you those tunes that just graced your ears is courtesy of the lovely bobby mackie and of course i am your host tessa morrow thanks for stopping by and making paranormal prowlers podcast part of your day i am happy to spend some of that with you now i just had my birthday and it was great i'm one of those people that will celebrate till the cows come home till it is october no more that is when i stop then I drop. <laughs> so this had been my list of festivious birthday activities this month. It starts with my sister and boyfriend and myself going on a 10-day trip to Arizona where I got to show Casey my favorite place, that is Tombstone. Then my mom was here last week and we celebrated that as well. She made a nice dinner. We did gifts. It was a yummy cake. It was awesome. Fast forward to the day before my birthday, the 21st, we had a get-together where we played Pharaoh, we had taco night, delicious cake, it was awesome. Today, I get to go see my cousins that moved from California, haven't seen them for a while, so super stoked to see them as well. So, there we go. Now, you know, I thought that since we're getting near one of my ultimate favorite holidays, that is, yes, Halloween, I thought that I would share some scary tales that some have shared with me throughout the years. So get a fire going, get some hot cocoa or hot buttered rum or cider, you get the idea. Get something going in that nice mug of yours, throw a blanket over yourself, switch off the lights, and get ready to hear some spooktacular tales. My first one comes from my friend M. Dolph. He shared this with me a few years back, and it has to do with a furry family member of his. I titled this story, The Power of the Almighty Zima. One of the experiences I had that I found enlightening involved my cat, Zima Zen. She was 17 years old and had a nice big tumor on her chest and belly. I had to return home from a week of working in Denver to have her put to sleep. Two days after returning to work in Denver, I needed supplies, and the boss said they were in the office, which was across the street. Basically, the spot that they were in, I just could not miss them. Now, as I walked, I noticed the door curtain move. When I entered, I saw a gray, shaggy cat that was very near to a twin to my Zima Zen. I picked it up. I gave it some love and some attention, then left for work with my supplies. I mentioned it to the boss that I did not let the cat out of the office. He said, What cat? He then thanked me for telling him so that he could let it out before he went home that day. Two days later, I asked if he let the cat out and he said he never saw a cat. So, there's my Zima Zen story. And so, obviously, not all of the stories I share are going to be scary, but 
I love that. And it makes sense. The bond between animal and human can be so incredibly strong and unbreakable. And I really do believe that they do come back and visit us. And I have seen so many cases where they do just that. And I would love to believe that that was Zima Zen coming back to visit my friend. I myself, throughout the years of investigating the paranormal, as you guys know through past episodes, I've gotten evidence of animal spirits before, of the spirits of the animals. And it's amazing. I have friends who've caught horses before in old firehouses. And so they're definitely out there, my friends. Absolutely. Now, next up is an experience from my dear Aunt MJ, or as I call her, Aunt Juan J. As my autocorrect, it always corrects my on my phone and changes MJ to Antoine J. So just that's kind of goofy, but that's how it is. Now this experience I titled The Hotel Colorado. You know about the ghosts in Cripple Creek, Colorado, right? Before there was a gambling town in Cripple Creek, there was a nice ghost town here. So my friend Lorena and I, we went up back in 1996. There's a nice hotel on Main Street called the Hotel Colorado. Stevie Nicks wrote a song about the Hotel Colorado. We wanted to go check it out, see ourselves, what Stevie Nicks was writing and singing about. We go into the lobby. At that time, it was still quiet, not too many tourists around. We go up these stairs to the second floor. We walk down this hallway, and we notice all these lights are off, but we keep going. We see that they're doing construction, and for some reason, we're just being nosy. We just wanted to see what they were building back there. So here we are, just the two of us, walking down the stark hallway. It was quiet. There was really nothing. It was late afternoon. The sun was setting. There were no lights in there because of the construction. And they are working on the hotel in a certain wing. As we are walking down the hallway, I feel a swoosh on my hand. And I notice my ring that I was wearing is suddenly gone. My ring flew off my finger. It fell in the hallway. We looked for it, but we couldn't find it anywhere. Lorena, she actually saw it happen, and I felt it happen. We were looking all over. It was nowhere to be found. So I walk ahead of Lorena, and I see this doorway. And I think to myself, how weird, the ring is just gone. There's a room off to the side, so I go into that room. And there's one of those old fainting couches. In the old days, they were called fainting couches because the women had to wear those tight corsets. And many times, when they had these corsets strung, they'd lose oxygen and they would faint. They were Victorian. They don't even make them anymore. They are very old-fashioned antiques. They are also called settees. So anyway, I walk into this room and there's a person lying on the settee. And I'm like, oh, hi, oops. Uh, how are you? And I think to myself, I better get out of here, being all nosy and whatnot. I go out, and Lorena comes in, and when I turn around, the person is gone. Now, instead of my aunt and her friend Lorena staying in a hotel while in Cripple Creek, they actually stayed in a less crowded area. It was Fourth of July weekend, and they slept in the back of a truck in Mount Pisgah Cemetery by the brothel owner and prostitute Pearl DeVere's grave. She shares with me some history about this much-loved prostitute. But you know what? 
Pearl will be all about her own episode in some other time in the future. You know, from disappearing jewelry to seeing an apparition, this story had a lot going on. And the nice thing is that someone was there to justify what took place. Lorena, she was there. She saw that ring fly off my aunt's hand. There's been so many times, as I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this, where you're by yourself and you experience something fantastic, something phenomenal. And it's just kind of like, well, shit. I, I even, I know so many paranormal investigators who are like, I believe in the paranormal, but I need to see it to believe it. And you could tell me the story, but unless I experience it on my own, it's just a tale. And I get it, whatever, but it's nice when somebody could actually validate what you saw. It's like, I know what I saw, but you know, whatever. Now, the next story comes from another aunt of mine, Rhonda, and she shares what life was like in an incredibly active haunted home. And this has to do with an ex-boyfriend of hers. I feel that whatever was in this house that we lived in, it was not good. There were some real bad entities in this house. Here is what Greg experienced. One night we're in bed. We're just watching TV. We're about to go to sleep. The only light in the bedroom was coming from the glowing TV. Greg had gotten up to go to the kitchen to get something to drink. And he was gone for like 10 minutes. For someone who was just going to get a drink, he was gone for quite some time. Suddenly he comes flying in the bedroom. He jumped in the bed and under the covers. Now, this man always had to be macho. He's one of those macho men. But he had come flying in that room like a scared little boy, like a baby, and jumped under these covers. He pulled the covers to above his nose, and he was literally shaking. His whole body was trembling. There was no doubt about it. This man was scared. Something happened that scared the shit out of this man. I asked him, what happened? What's going on? What's the matter with you? And it took him about 10 to 15 minutes to where he could actually find words to talk. He was shaking so badly that his jaw was locked. He couldn't speak. Finally, when he was able to speak, he proceeded to tell me that he went into the kitchen to get something to drink, like his plan was to do this whole time. When he came back out, he was walking by the TV in the living room, and all of a sudden the TV comes on all by itself. He stops and looks at the TV. He said that something black came out of that television with hands, and it was reaching towards him. He told me this was the scariest thing that he'd ever seen in his entire life. Greg was paralyzed. He could not move. The man couldn't even scream. He said he'd never seen anything like that before in his entire life. After that, Greg, he didn't stay much at this house. He stayed at his mom's. He would occasionally stay over, and the nights that he did, he rarely slept. And if he did, it wasn't comfortably. Okay, so something coming out of the television? That is some scary shit right there. Can you say poltergeist? This house is not clear. This house is not clean. This house is nothing at all. It's not like seeing an apparition of a departed loved one. A lot of us have been there before. Clearly, this was something dark. She also shared another encounter that had to do with her sweet mother, who came to celebrate my birthday for taco night. So I would like to share that one as well. And here we go. And I titled this one Mama's Tale. My mom has some strange stories from when she was a kid because they grew up in funeral homes that were turned into apartments. 
there were some really crazy things that went on there. My mom, she woke up one night to a lady sitting at the end of her bed. She was transparent and you could see through her, mama said. She's sitting on the end of the bed at a vanity. She had a real long hair, really long hair. She's just sitting there brushing her hair really slowly. Mama said she didn't have a brush in her hand, but that you could see the hair going up as she was brushing it. And Mama shrieked. She was paralyzed and it scared her. She was only about seven, maybe eight years old. The lady stopped brushing her hair. She stopped as soon as Mama made that sound. She stopped in midair and turned and looked at Mama real slow. When she looked at Mama, Mama could see her eyes. Nothing but pure sadness. She said it was absolutely like she had been crying for years and years. And all of a sudden, she just went away. That was what my mom experienced. That is when she realized that there are spirits because she saw it with her very own eyes. And, I mean, she had seen this when she was like seven or eight years old. So she's basically been a believer much of her life. And she grew up living in older funeral homes that were converted into apartments. And, I, okay, is it weird? Is it a weird thing to admit being a little jealous of this? <laughs> I'm sure, yes, it is. I'm a weirdo. I just love the look of the funeral homes. I love the history behind some of them. And I just, I just think it would be interesting to live in one. Now, next tell has to do about a haunted hotel that many have at least heard about. This is told by my very sweet as can be cousin, Rosalie. And I titled this one, London Bridges. Here's an experience from the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park. Nick had just gotten his driver's license, and this was back in 2007. He had wanted to go to the Stanley Hotel. He loved it because he heard it was haunted, so he convinced his sister Maggie and myself to go. The three of us drove up there, and we had a big king bed. We all shared this bed. We were supposed to be in the most haunted room in that hotel. I was sleeping closest to the door. Maggie was in the middle, Nick on the other side. And every time there was a noise, they would say, Mima! And every time they'd say that, I would jump out of bed, go to the door, look in the people. I had to do this literally like 20 times. Jump out of bed, run, whatever. They wouldn't do it, so they made me do it. So all of a sudden, we hear this little girl singing London Bridges. And I go to the people, and I don't care if people think I'm crazy or what. I saw a little girl. She was about 12 years old. She had this sort of auburn, reddish, brownish hair with a big braid. Like with people that have curly hair, it kind of sticks out from the braid a bit. She had a green puff sleeve blouse on with a little jumper. She was skipping past our room, and I told Nick and Maggie what I saw. Nick, he jumps out of bed. I open the door, and she was gone. There were some people down the hallway and Nick went down the hallway and asked the people if they had seen this little girl. And they said, no, no, we have not. And I, I don't like to tell this to anybody because they do not believe me. I know what I saw. Nobody can take that away from me. It was amazing. I mean, Maggie, she did start to cry. She was hysterical and she just kind of wanted to go home at that point. I had to convince her to stay. 
we were in a room that had an enclosed room and the windows rattled all night long. I kept getting up and it scared Maggie. There was no wind, no wind at all. I wrote all of these experiences down and the experiences from that night at Stanley. I have been back there one more time and they have since remodeled that particular room. It's just not the same. When we were there in 2007, we were able to kind of creep around in the dark and you go there now and you're not able to do that anymore. It's just not the same. And you know, that's unfortunately, that's what I heard with the Stanley Hotel, that it's this amazing place that you can go and they do tours and you could investigate and, you know, kind of like roam about and I heard that they're kind of trying to take the spooky aspect out. They're they're discouraging it now. They, For me, it's like, man, I'm bummed out that I didn't go there when they were still like into the ghost loving type of thing, you know. But that's just me. But I mean, I remember her telling me this, Rosalie, telling me about this. And I can really envision just seeing this young girl, this young child, right, skipping and singing and just happy and bubbly and she got such an incredible look at her, even giving a description of her little hair st sticking out of her braid. I mean, to me, that's impressive. She said she doesn't tell many people, obviously, but I, I'm glad she told me. And so, and I'm telling you, because it's a really phenomenal and amazing thing to experience for sure. Next up, we will hear about something that has to do with more creatures. This is from my friend, Ken. And it is titled, Sacred Feathers. We often see animals that act differently. They're just not normal. They stay around and they just kind of stare at us. Often they come in the form of birds. I have talked to many people who claim that their late relatives or friends came to them as an eagle or a hawk, an owl, or some other type of bird. A book called Sacred Feathers is about the paranormal experiences of many around America who have had that experience. They have come to me before as well. My late niece, she came to her mother before her mother passed away and left feathers. When I see a bluebird, I think of Susanna. A hummingbird, my mom. I have seen feathers by birds as well. They just kind of drop them for me to use in ceremony. Friends have had this happen as well. Right before my mother died, over 10 years ago, a horned owl was hooting outside my window, which is pretty rare. Then my mother, she died hours later. Kind of scary, but pretty awesome as well. Now, I know many consider certain animals sacred or a special meaning like owls and other birds that he mentioned. One being the male cardinal. The ever so vibrant in its color that is red, the cardinal. I see them often when I'm in North Carolina, and they are just quite the sight. Just so beautiful. I'll look outside, and I'll just see this beautiful red, vibrant red, and I'm like, oh my god. Um, there have been a couple times where I'm thinking of a departed loved one, and suddenly, at that exact moment, I'll see several cardinals, not just one. And each time, I felt this special, warm feeling, like, like they were actually there. Now, the next tale comes from my friend Joe, and it's titled Joe's Attachment. At the time I was going through a divorce and going through other issues as well, I was having problems with my back and my guard was down, which was bad for me. It was my fault totally. 
it was fully my fault that I let it attach to me. With this one, though, it was more like, what can I do to freak you out versus anything against me? My son was living with me. I think he was 14 at the time. I'd be sitting in a chair and you could just feel it behind you, like breathing on your neck. My son, he would just be sitting there doing his homework and he would come up to me and say, Dad, I feel like someone is there and I can feel something breathing on my neck. Literally, I could feel a breath going in and out. And it kind of went around after him for quite a while, more than me. He would go in to take a shower and the lights would just kind of go off in the bathroom, things like that. It didn't do anything to physically harm us, but it was there. And it was not a happy camper. Let's just put it that way. That was basically when I realized what was going on. I finally got back to being myself again and stood up and I got my home back. If there was even a creak in the house, I would say something. I took back what was mine. After about a week of doing that, it stopped. We had no problems at all. It was more a freaky thing than a I'm going to get you kind of thing. So my friend Joe, he was a deputy with the sheriff's department for quite a long time. When you're doing something like that, you're working a dangerous job, obviously. And but when you're at home, you should be able to feel safe and comfortable and happy. And actually, Joe, you will hear from him in a future episode. It was a few months ago when Angie and I, we actually investigated with him at the Historic Plain Museum here in town in Pueblo, and it was phenomenal. It was amazing. The next comes from a friend of mine named Sean, and I wanted to read this one because I titled this Halloween Haunting. Now, this guy has a ton of stuff that he's experienced, and... He's shared several with me, but I wanted to read this one in particular. The old train station on a brothel back in the 1800s, this was a catacomb. There are around 150 rooms in this building. They were trying to renovate it, but they just couldn't keep construction guys in there. They kept getting scared and just running off, and it was kind of like this amazing, it was kind of amazing the way we found this place. There's a lady who does haunted tours in my town, Tiffin, Ohio. She's a historian, and she goes around doing these tours. So we went on one of them. We stood in front of this building, and she gave us the story on it. Now, a couple weeks later, we go back and park behind this building and sit in our car and see if we can get any EVPs. And this guy, he comes up and says, What are you doing here? We told him, and he says, Well, I own this building. Would you like to come in? Well, yes, we do. It was Halloween weekend, and he said that we could have it for the whole weekend, that it was ours. We investigated the crap out of this place. I had a camera set up on the staircase, and we caught a shadow. It weaved way out, walks around the corner, and goes back, leans out, looks again, and goes back. I mean, it was in the obvious shape of a person. It was one of the best shadow videos that I had ever caught. The guy at the time who was doing my tech work ended up sadly being a moron. He saved everything on an external hard drive and then he pawned it. We lost everything. We had almost 150 EVPs from this building. Pictures, videos, so on and so forth. We had a guy 
walked down in the basement and had a trash can leap in front of him. We caught three full-bodied apparitions in the basement on camera, these women in Victorian-style clothing. One was standing at the space of the stairs just kind of watching us. We lost every single bit of it. But, you know, it was a very highly active location. And so to me, that just hurts me. It hurts my heart. Like, I can't imagine having this investigation, knowing all this stuff that you caught only to lose it all. Uh, It just, man, that just hurts me as an investigator. I can only imagine what they went through. And again, this wasn't just like, you know, an hour or two mini sesh. This was like two or three days worth of treasured goodies just lost forever. And the final story that I want to read comes from my friend Kim. She's a rock star. She's the one who actually edited my first book. And she helped me through a lot of stuff when I was writing my books. So here we go. And I titled this one, Finally at Peace. My most memorable investigation has to be a private one that we did at an old gate lodge. It was from the 1800s. The whole place was rotting from the inside out. Never seen anything quite like this. There was faulty wiring, things falling off the walls, the plumbing. It was a normal house, but it was deteriorating at such a horrendous pace. All the equipment was malfunctioning. You name it, it went wrong. Toasters. Microwaves. Everything was constantly blowing. Even their cars outside were acting up. I noticed that after my investigation, both of my torches stopped working. I opened them up, and it was all rusty inside. They had gone rusty overnight. There's just no way. It wasn't wet in the house. They weren't left anywhere else. I had to end up throwing them out because they were no good. It was just very weird. And so I keep all my torches together in an airtight container. I checked all the other ones, and they were fine. It was just so weird. When we went there, we investigated. They asked us to come here because they have this little boy, and sometimes he would say that he was afraid to go to bed at night. He would hear voices. He would ask, who's calling me? His mom would come up the stairs and would ask, were you calling me? She asked for us to come and check on the place. When I listened back to the audio, we didn't really see anything that night. But later, when we listened back to the audio, it was creepy. It was really weird. You could hear all these little kids' voices. They seemed to be saying, help! It seemed to be like kids chattering. Not like playing, but walking around and moving around all at once. It was just so strange. So I sent some of the audio to the people who were living in the house, and I sent it to the rest of the team as well. And at the same time, we all agreed, we have to get back there. We have to help. We have to do something for this poor family. The lady that was living there, her mom, is a medium. She does these house clearances when possible, when necessary. And we figured we would go and watch what she does. I was a bit skeptical about it. I'll be honest with you. It was the strangest experience in my whole life. We went and we sat in this downstairs bedroom in the extension part of the house. 
we could really feel the energy really just low down in the room. It was the strangest experience in my life. We were able to track the movement of this cold air coming into the room and going out through the wall where this other lady was standing. And the medium said, look, if you want to use me to get to the light, use me. Come with love. Use my body with love. We were able to track a cold spot, a large cold spot, right on her back. It was unreal. There were several noises and sounds going on. Then that seemed finished. They all seemed to go and it seemed changed. We could still hear noises outside. Well, one of the other ladies who was there, she was a medium as well, and she said, you know, there's a man outside. He's looking for a child, but the child has already passed away. This poor man hasn't realized that this child has passed and he was still searching for her. We called for him to come in the room and you could hear him coming. He moved the table in the kitchen. You could hear him bumping into things. You could hear the things moving. And it, it was so weird. Then you could feel the presence come into the room. One of the girls started taking pictures. The girl that was living in the house was kneeling down by the bedroom door. And all of a sudden, my photographer turns to me and says, I can't get her in the picture. The camera keeps flashing. Something's wrong. I can't get a clear picture of her. I had a strange and strong feeling that there was a man leaning over her. And I told her, you've got to release him. He's worried about you. And she starts crying. She just sat there crying. And I told her, he's worried about you. There's no bad energy here. He's just concerned. He doesn't want to leave because he's been living here. You've been living here. You have to tell him that you're okay so he can go. So she did. And all of a sudden, the energy just cleared from the room. The photographer took a picture of the girl, and she came out as clear as anything. We've been there a couple of times since, and it's truly at peace. The house no longer feels downpour on it now. It seems to have a different vibe there altogether. It's really strange. It's completely different. So there we go, everybody. Those are my spooky tales the week before Halloween. And just a, one more last final reminder to share tales of your own and send them to me for the Halloween episode coming out a week from today, my friends. An easy way that I've had people been doing they record literally in Facebook Messenger. Just hit that little microphone and talk and then send it to me. Or again, you could write it down, but I do need these things by October 29th because the 30th, baby, I am going to be editing and putting it all together. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They're all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? Just hit up any of those phenomenal podcast platforms, such as Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Deezer, iVox. Wherever you may roam to listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Panama City Beach, Florida, Cheshire, England, Monroeville, Alabama, Madison, Wisconsin, and Pequa, Ohio. Thank you guys. It is greatly appreciated. Please come back and we will see you Halloween. See you next week. <laughs>